0: Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, hi there, everybody. Welcome back.
1: Okay, here's where I want to start.
0: I received an email from a listener of the show, and they were discussing essentially how they apparently didn't like my last episode (laughs) where I was describing illegal immigration and how it is not good, whether again it be legal or illegal. Um, and how these particular charities and Catholic groups and Jewish groups and whatever are facilitating all of this, because apparently, if they facilitate it, then it all of a sudden becomes legal. So, I'm going to preface this email by saying the following. Just because something is law doesn't make it right. Every single one of us can name a thousand laws that are in place, at least, that are not right. We can do this time and time again. Me personally, I don't like the distracted driving laws. You know, a cop passes you on the road, they say, oh, you look like you were looking at your cell phone. So here's a $100 to $200 ticket because you were looking at your cell phone while driving. Go to hell. Go straight to hell. Those kinds of laws are ridiculous. I get to look at whatever I want while I'm driving. It's absolutely outrageous. Again, I, I could pick a million of them and you could too. So that's not an argument. Saying that something is legal, therefore it should happen or should exist, or just because it has to do with people who are in need, it doesn't make it right. My overarching point is also the following. We have endless people in our own country who are American citizens who are suffering greatly. For example, we have over 14 million children in in America who are Americans, legally, who are living in poverty. Doesn't it seem like that's kind of an issue that maybe these charitable organizations, quote-unquote, and religious groups, quote-unquote, should, uh, you know, get engaged in and actually fix and solve? Instead of giving money, a cell phone and clothes to foreigners to come into our country, under the promises that they're just going to do things that we ask them to do. Chicago is throwing up fifty-one million dollars for illegals. Fifty-one million. Doesn't it seem like that money could be used to scoop up all of the homeless and scoop up the homeless veterans and anybody who's homeless, even if they're drug addicted out of their mind and set up a building or multiple buildings to take care of these people, give them the medical attention they need, get them off of drugs, and then have them become city workers where they are paid to keep the place clean? Doesn't it seem like that could be a thing? Of course it could. All of these things could exist. But people paying and volunteering and working with these religious groups and charitable organizations to bring in illegals, and they are, because they are not American citizens. I have a problem with this. This is my problem. So here's the email. They said the following. Hi, Sean. I may have emailed you from a different email address before. I sent the article with the study about women struggling with health and mental health issues. Thanks for sharing it with your audience. You're welcome. My graduate degree is in political science with a focus on the refugee crisis in Syria and Iraq. I studied the CEAS system in the EU and subsequently the U.S. system particularly in regards to Afghan asylum seekers. I am a part of a group of Christians in Colorado who help Muslim immigrants and refugees. I know several people and churches who work directly with Afghan refugees. Most of the recent Afghan refugees were brought in by our military to military bases and processed there
1: before being released into the public. I have a problem with this. I don't like any of this. This is me talking, of course, now. Again, (laughs) they
0: continue. It's a lengthy email, and I'm going to read the whole thing and make comments throughout here. I have a problem with that. Why aren't you helping Americans? That's my question. Help Americans. There are homeless people down your street. Anybody listening to this, there are people struggling financially who are on your own road.
1: Why don't you help them? It continues, it says, quote, The U.S. asylum system is set up to give authority of
0: processing to non-governmental agencies, which happen to be the Catholic and Lutheran societies. That's the established legal framework for refugee
1: intake in America. I don't care. I don't care. One of the things that happens here, ladies and gentlemen,
0: is the manipulation of these systems and the people who work within to be the useful idiots to openly engage in race replacement and openly engage in bringing illegals to the United States. You see, the melting pot is not a good solution to anything. I remember first hearing about the quote unquote melting pot back when I was in high school. And I'll admit, I thought to myself at first, okay, great, lots of different people from lots of different countries living in the same country, fine. But then I thought to myself much later on, where's the individuality? I know that America is diverse based on race, I'm well aware of that. That doesn't bother me. What bothers me is that you have individuals who come here the right way, and you have individuals who do not. Why? Because the legal system, which is set up by the very people who are interested in race replacement and the very organizations who are interested in the melting pot mentality and wiping out particular races of people, specifically white people, all of these organizations purposefully. In particular, again, the legal aspect, purposefully manipulate the use of words on a constant basis. Because if you go back 10, even 20 years ago, I'd say, certainly 20 years ago, if you go back 20 years ago or any time before that, very rarely in the American vernacular did you hear the
1: words refugee or asylum seeker. You didn't hear these. But you hear them now. Why do we
0: hear them now? We hear them now because they are in the legal framework. Because now everybody's a refugee. Everybody's an asylum seeker.
1: All you have to do is say so. That's it. All you have to do is say so. But if you go to a foreign country
0: as an American and say, I'm an asylum seeker, I'm a refugee, and they'll say, from where? And you say, America. They'll laugh in your face. They'll probably imprison you, maybe even shoot you or throw you out at the very least. This word manipulation and people believing this word manipulation, this is the problem. And then the people who work for these organizations are being manipulated and they have no idea. They have no idea. They continued. They said, There are other organizations as well. The following list is linked in the above web page. And they have a website here called rapsnet.org, Refugee Processing Center Resettlement and Placement Agency Contacts. They're everywhere. These people are everywhere. They're in Columbus, Ohio. They've got a giant map behind the website here. Every major city and every major state for the most part. There you go. They continued. They said, "Quote the Catholic charity you mentioned on your podcast says that they are a designated agency for refugee intake and processing. Here is a Michigan branch agency website. Yes, I, I'm I'm well aware. Again, they're openly doing this because again they're allowed to. I get it. I'm not. Uh, all I'm saying is it's not right. This isn't right." They continued and said, "Quote if you go back a page." on the state.gov website, you will see that they have started a new program where citizens in groups of five can apply to process refugees in lieu of these agencies. That was interesting. I'm not going to link it here, but I also found yesterday that the U.S. government has raised the allowed number of refugee admissions from Afghanistan. The refugees don't really get that much assistance financially, around 3 months' worth. They're required to get jobs, find a place to live, and even pay back their plane ticket. I'm sure they do. Although that requirement might be waived for the recent Afghan refugees. I'm sure it will be. Because everything's free in America, in particular to people who aren't Americans. They continued. They said, "Quote, these refugees are here legally." And the Catholic Agency is also acting in a legal capacity according to U.S. asylum laws – asylum, there it is – that were established decades ago. We are a nation of immigrants, and we participate with the U.N. asylum program. The U.S. actually receives fewer refugees than most other large countries like Canada or Australia,
1: unquote. I don't care. (laughs) <laughs> I can't I can't put it any other way. I don't care. They take in more refugees than we do, so we're not that bad. That makes no sense. It doesn't matter. They shouldn't be taking them in either. And the phrase,
0: again, this is this is the brainwashing right here, the phrase, "We are a nation of immigrants," quote unquote. That phrase, again, with all due respect, that phrase is purposely ingrained in the globalist vernacular in order to get everybody to believe that everybody needs to be the same, do the same things. It's communism. We should all be taking in immigrants because we're all nations of immigrants. Stop it. Who cares? I know that we have had individuals come here illegally and become American citizens illegally for a very long time, and we've had endless people do
1: it legally for a very long time. It's the latter that I'm fine with. It's the former that I'm not.
0: It continues. It's important to note that when the U.S. withdrew from Afghanistan, the U.N. also withdrew And no asylum applications were being processed. Don't care. I don't care. The UN is a criminal organization. They are the largest child trafficking
1: organization in the world. Period. You've heard me say this before. I even thought it
0: and and heard it when I was in Australia for that conference a long time ago, in 2019. People were coming up to the lectern, giving keynote speeches, and they were bragging about being members of the of the U.N. And, and working for the U.N. And I thought to myself, do you really want that on your resume? Is that something you really want? Because anybody who knows anything about the U.N. knows that they are the world's largest child trafficking organization. They want a one-world police force. These are not our friends. These people aren't our friends. How many UN t-shirts do you see people walking around wearing?
1: <laughs> Is anybody,
0: does anyone wave a UN flag on their front porch of their house? No. Do you know why? Because they're the enemy. <laughs> it's that simple. The Australian, they said, and many other embassies had already closed and left the country prior to the U.S. withdrawal don't care. The UAE is now responsible for managing refugees who escaped just because the airport, just before the airport was taken by the Taliban.
1: Don't care. These are their problems, not ours. They continued, this is part of Trump's international
0: reorganization plan that expects greater independence by each country with superpowers in each region taking responsibility for adherence to legal and ethical standards. I'm not sure what to say to that. I really, you know, I don't know. I really don't know. If that's true, then I don't necessarily support all of that. Again, people should fix their own countries. I am of that philosophy. Now, it's odd to reference this individual based on the previous things that this person has done, but the Dalai Lama was right about this, okay? He was he was right about this. I'm not saying he's been right about a, a bunch of other things, but I did read the man's books a long, long time ago, at least 16 or 15 of them, and I can tell you that as a philosophy, When he states and has stated in the past, people should stay where they are and fix their own countries,
1: he's right. He's right about that. And yes, that's a bloody mess. That involves war, it
0: involves overthrowing governments, knowing who the enemy is, and a thousand other things. It's not easy. Ask the founding fathers
1: Was it easy for them? No. (laughs) No, it's not easy for us now watching all of this take place. They continued, Only the U.S. military has
0: been processing Afghan refugees, which fits with the devolution theory we are operating under. The entire operation of Afghan withdrawal is a patriot-based plan. Mm. Mike Pompeo was responsible for its negotiations. I recently saw something saying the Taliban is now fighting Iran at the border. I don't care. Uh, They continued and said, I was surprised that I need to corroborate, but it was a reliable source. How else could they possibly fight Iran unless they had proper military equipment? The equipment we left as part of the deal. The President Biden gets all of the blame, so Trump is reelected in 2024.
1: I get that. I understand that. That's, uh, yeah, I get it. That makes sense. It's certainly plausible.
0: They continued and say, said uh, they are also defeating ISIS in Afghanistan, who were subsidized by remaining intelligence networks in the region. ISIS was created by the CIA.
1: They were created by the CIA. Obama created I- uh, ISIS with the CIA. And many of them,
0: whether you know this or not, many of them are Jewish. Many of the ISIS members are not Muslims. They're Israeli. They just mask themselves so you can't tell, and then they run around with their flags, and then you go, oh, that must be a Muslim. No, not necessarily. They continued and said, I have a local source who told me a few months after the withdrawal that the ISIS fighters were foreigners with money. Sunnis recruiting even lower Taliban guys, uneducated, poor, and
1: desperate. Yeah, I I believe that. I digress into the bigger picture, they stated, but I just
0: wanted to slow you down a bit in your rant because you are missing information. I would even add that I think our border has not been unsecured for the past year, but in fact, we have all been subjected to a huge media onslaught. Remember, Sean, we are in a huge counter-operational PSYOP, but as you know, patriots are in control.
1: Take a breath, Unquote. Okay. Take a breath. So, If we're watching something at the border
0: that's not happening, then why are you participating in it? Because earlier in the email, this individual stated that this is what they're helping with. They're helping bring Afghans to Colorado through a Christian
1: organization that they work for. But that's not happening? My point here is simple I do not
0: support bringing illegals in and spending money to do that. You can call it legal, you can call it lawful, you can call it whatever you'd like. I don't support that. It's overwhelming. Our country has been for quite some time, still is. Because when people come in legally, the old-fashioned way, it's not nearly as abrupt as it is right now. And it doesn't look sneaky and suspicious like it does now. You know, like a line of 15 plus individuals all tethered together. Like when you see a a delinquent mom tethering her kid to a leash. Have you ever seen that? It looks like that with these illegals. They're all lined up. They've all got their giant bags full of God knows what. And then we just assume that they're going to find jobs, and we assume that they're going to pay back their airplane tickets, and we assume that they're going to do the right thing? Ladies and gentlemen, I saw a video the other day that I put up on Gab. It was
1: in Germany, and it was a German woman, white woman, being sexually assaulted by five black men who were all illegals. At least five of them. She was, everyone was clothed. I, I want to make that
0: abundantly clear. I wasn't watching a rape, I was watching a simulated rape. And this was caught on security camera or by someone in an adjacent building, whatever it was. One of the black men had, again, most likely African, clearly illegal, they had her bent over so that, again, her face was toward the ground and he was holding her and holding her arms to her sides and holding holding on top of her back so that her rear end was completely exposed. Again, everyone was wearing clothes. And one at a time, all the other black men came up behind her and were simulating having doggy style sex with her. One at a time. This continued. And then they would take turns holding her while the others would do this act on her time and time again. And then they threw her on the ground, and then they simulated masturbating and jacking off on
1: her. Is that making you uncomfortable hearing that? Because if it does, good, it should. That's the
0: point. I will never support bringing people into a country who do that. Not ever. These charitable organizations that are doing this are not charitable. They are the problem. They should be eliminated. Or they should be given a military directive that says, you're going to stop doing this, and now you're going to help Americans. That's what should happen,
1: in my humble opinion, because, well, it's my show. To say what I want. <laughs> that's, that's how this works. I don't
0: support that. I do not support people coming into this country to take advantage of legal citizens or what this country has to offer under no circumstance. And if anyone believes that every person coming into our country is a good person, or, oh, I'm working for this charitable organization, so. The people that I'm bringing in are all good because that's what I believe. Well, you're sorely mistaken. In fact, I think one of the better lessons that would really shake people to the core is to get these quote unquote charitable organizations and these Christian and Jewish and whatever organizations that are doing all of this, bringing in foreigners into our country in the dead of night on airplanes or in broad daylight on airplanes. Instead of doing that, and you, again, with some kind of a military directive or something, force the individuals in those organizations, if they still wanted to work for them, to clean up the streets of the towns and cities where they live, to help feed, clothe, bathe, actually bathe the homeless and the drug addicted here in America who already exist here those individuals would get an education of a lifetime because they would be forced to stop, pause, and say, wait a minute, our problem is right here, instead of backpatting and hugging themselves because they think that they're doing good for someone in a foreign country by bringing them here. If you just changed the focus, and shifted the focus to Americans right here, our problems would be solved. But that's not happening. It's another distraction. It's another focus on these people and prey on the emotions of the gullible and so on and so forth. You're helping people come to our our charitable organization and, and just help those that are in need. Why do you think, again, you keep seeing commercials on TV that say, Look at this homeless person. Look at this starving Jewish old lady in the middle of nowhere. And If, you know, for just $5 a month, you can send a box of food to them and they will be helped. How do you know that that food goes there? How do you know that? How do you know your money doesn't doesn't just slip into some greasy person's back pocket? You don't. You have no clue. I don't give to charities. Doesn't happen. Because I know where the money goes and it doesn't go to the thing that they claim to be solving because if they solved it, they wouldn't exist anymore. (laughs) The organization wouldn't exist. This is what happens when you solve problems. When you solve them, the problem ceases to exist. No, they have to perpetuate the problem in order to continue to exist and launder money and do all of
1: that. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. What does it say in the Bible? Something about
0: God saying that the works of man are like dirty rags, that they mean nothing, that if you think you're doing good for, for, for a group of people or for something, that that's going to get you into heaven or that that makes you a good person. I think what he was trying to say, again, not a biblical scholar, But I think he was trying to say something like, just because you think you're doing good deeds doesn't mean you're doing good deeds. Anybody listening to this, just think about that. Again, these people are easily manipulated. They're easily manipulated, but at the exact same time, they have no idea that they are supporting the very thing that is going to lead to their own destruction. And the people who organize all of this And use that word manipulation like refugee and asylum seeker and this, that, and the other. They know that there are people out there who will just drink it in, follow orders, and just do it. Because they believe what exists at face value based on what they're told. This is, you know, this is a problem. I just, yeah. I don't know how else to summarize it and end this other than to say, this is an ongoing problem. This isn't going to go away. And something serious has got to change. It just has to change. I don't believe for a minute in that Ben, ben Berquam, Real America's Voice um, audio that I played in the last episode, that those individuals lining up at that table for that Jewish organization were actors. I don't believe that. I don't believe the people at the table were actors. I don't think we were watching a, a, a movie there. That's not a movie we're watching. That's not a show. That's not an, you know, enjoy the show moment. That's that's the enemy doing what the enemy does. Because just because there are certain things that are taking place that are scripted and clearly not not real. Like Joe Biden the other day, apparently gave some address from the Oval Office, and it was clearly not the Oval Office because there was a treehouse in the back, in uh, you know through the window of the backyard. Since when is there a treehouse on the White House lawn? So he was clearly in a studio doing the studio thing. So again, why is he not in the real Oval Office? That's a scripted thing. That's clearly out of the ordinary. But watching full blown Africans come into our country via Mexico?
1: That's real. That's not fake. So there you go. It's my two cents on that. Okay. Moving
0: on. And yet still in the exact same vein, frankly, this is from Zero Hedge last Friday, and it was titled, All New U.S. Jobs Since the COVID Crash Have Gone to Foreign-Born Workers. Interesting. It's almost like it's being done on purpose. It's almost like they're being given jobs ahead of us. It's almost like Americans are being stiffed. Well, Sean, it's because Americans don't want to work and they're being paid to stay home and illegals aren't and illegals need the jobs and blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. That's not it. Americans need to work too. Americans want jobs. They want good paying jobs too. Look at higher education, for Christ's sake. Look at higher education. If they have. Five resumes in front of them. And one of those resumes is from a white person. And the other four resumes are from people who are not white. The white person doesn't stand a snowball's chance in hell of getting that job. Case in point, me. (laughs) I mean, that was me a long time ago. That's not an accident. That's a very real thing. They have diversity quotas, which means don't hire white people. That's what it means. It also means don't hire Americans now. This is not an accident. This is a giant on purpose. Again, race replacement, a big deal. It's a big, big deal. Okay, moving on to education related things here. This, of course, is an ongoing big deal as well. Uh, This comes from WFAA.com North Texas superintendent among seven busted in underage sex sting operation. Constable says. Constable Alan Rosen said that Michael Stevens, the superintendent, sent sent naked photos of himself to who he thought was a 15-year-old girl, but was really an undercover investigator. Let's give this audio a listen in three, two, one.
2: Bond is now set at
3: $100,000 for the Itasca ISD superintendent caught in an online sex sting. We've also now learned that Michael Stevens once worked in Mesquite ISD, as well as a number of other North Texas school districts. Itasca is where he now works. It's about 45 miles south of Fort Worth. Tiffany Liu has the disturbing details from this
1: investigation.
3: It was months of thinking he was chatting with a 15-year-old girl, but really the superintendent was talking to an undercover investigator. I want to show you these photos you're seeing is the moment the officers arrested 47-year-old Michael Stevens. It was right outside his school district office at Itasca ISD. This was part of a much larger sting operation where seven people were arrested. The constable says Stevens was sending nude photos for months, and some of them were taken in his office. He eventually planned to go to Houston to engage in sexual acts with that 15-year-old, but little did he know, all his messages and photos were going to an undercover detective in Harris County. Not only is Stevens the superintendent, but he is a former coach, a former principal, and former assistant principal in school districts around the state.
2: He became pretty brazen. I mean, if you're, again, doing this type of activity in your office um, at work and you're feeling pretty comfortable, these predators are very patient. They can take months to try and groom a kid or, or meet up with them.
3: The Harris County Constable is asking for more victims to come forward. He also wants to remind parents to keep a close eye on your kids' online activity. Itasca ISD Board of Trustees will be holding a special meeting on Monday. They're going to talk about the fate of his job, along with who will be interim superintendent. Back to you.
0: Back to me. Fate of his job. A discussion about the fate of his
1: job? Fire him and then shoot him. Pretty simple. He's going to do this again. I mean, these predators are everywhere.
0: They're everywhere. The laws have to change regarding swift punishment in this country for people like that. And again, you know, this is one of those things where people get real comfortable where they live. They get real comfortable sending their children to American K 12 schools right down the road. Well, that wouldn't happen in my school district, they'd say. Those behaviors don't happen here. An administrator would never do such a thing. You have no flippin' idea. There are sexual predators in every school building, certainly every school district, in the United States. Because that's where the prey is. And yes, some of these people are administrators, without a doubt. They get off on it. They get off on being in charge of all of those kids. It's disgusting. And it won't go away. Again, these stories are in the news daily. Daily. School districts all over the United States and the people who work within, engaging in endless sexual crimes. But people get complacent and they get comfortable. Again, it won't be my kid, they'll say. That would never happen to my child. Saying that's not going to work out in the long run. Continuing to say that just isn't going to work. Here's another weird one. This is from The Blaze. King James Bible pulled from multiple Utah schools due to vulgarity or violence after petition called it sex-ridden. This is, this is Marxism. This is Bolshevism. This is exactly what it is. Uh, let's see. Several Davis school district schools in Utah after it was determined that it contained vulgarity or violence. That's funny. A petition was made in response to state law that resulted in the removal of many books containing sexual content from school libraries. Hilarious. A little revenge, perhaps. They're just engaging in a little revenge. You get rid of our our pornographic books that we, we love and, and dear, and every child should read, how Billy loves Tommy, and you know, blah, blah, blah. And while you're doing that, and while we're being forced to do that, we'll, we'll, we'll get rid of the Bible. Because, of course, there's sex in that book, and there's inbreeding, and there's a few other things that, well, we just think are abominations, so there you go. We'll show you. That's all they're doing here. They're just getting some radicals to remove it because their precious pornography books, uh, you know, have have been taken off the shelves, and they think that that's offensive. And, of course, it's during the quote-unquote fake, ridiculous Pride Month nonsense, so. It's, uh, it's exhausting, isn't it? Here's here's one more in the education realm, the last one, uh, also exhausting, and frankly, again, a little bit bit more Marxism for everybody, a little more race division, why not? Gateway Pundit, it is titled, and I'm going to read through these because they are hilarious. It's titled, The First Ten Words to Oxford's New African American English Dictionary Revealed. Barack Obama, friend, is serving as project's editor. Shocking. Now did you know that there was an African American English dictionary and that Oxford's Dictionary and University was putting one out? I did not. But let's get to the words, shall we? The New York Times published the first 10 words and their definitions in late May. Here they are. The first one. Can't believe I'm going to read through these. <laughs> just I just can't. This is the state of affairs. This is the state of affairs. Here we go. The first one. Bussin B-U-S-S-I-N. An adjective and participle. The first definition, especially describing food. Tasty, delicious. Also more generally, impressive or excellent. And the second definition is describing a party, event, etc. Busy, crowded, lively. Uh, Variant forms, bussing or bussin with an uh, apostrophe at the end of the N.
1: There you go. Now, what is it again that's embedded in the ideology where
0: the dumbing down of the English language is a part of the plan? Oh, yeah, that's right. Marxism. Same thing. Same thing. The next one grill. Yes, that's right. G R I L L. It's a noun, it's a person, a place, or a thing. A removable or permanent dental overlay typically made of silver, gold, or another metal, and often inset with gemstones, which is worn as jewelry. Uh, The next one, promised land, a noun, a place perceived to be where enslaved people and later African Americans more generally can find refuge and live in freedom, Etymology, a reference to the biblical story of Jewish people seeking freedom from Egyptian bondage. Unquote. Yikes. This is just eye-rubbing insanity here. Uh, they're going to get harder to pronounce, so my apologies. It's because, well, none of these are real English words. Chitterlings is the next one. A dish made from pig intestines that are typically boiled, fried, or stuffed with other ingredients, occasionally also pig intestines as an ingredient. Like chitlins. Yep,
1: got it. Kitchen. That's right, kitchen. K-I-T-C-H-E-N. The hair
0: at the nape of the neck, which is typically shorter, kinkier, and considered more difficult to style. Jesus.
1: (laughs) What is happening? What is happening?
0: Cakewalk. The first definition, because apparently there have to be two. A contest in which black people would perform a stylized walk in pairs, typically judged by a plantation owner. The winner would receive some type of cake. Something that is considered easily done is the second definition, as in a job is a cakewalk. Okay. Old school, an adjective, definition, characteristic of early hip-hop or rap music that emerged in New York City between the late 1970s to the mid-1980s, which often includes the use of Couplets, funk, and disco samples, and playful lyrics, also used to describe the music and artists of that style and time period. The next one, the word Pat, P A T. Transitive is the first definition, a tap, the foot, in rhythm with music sometimes as an indication of participation in
1: religious worship. And two, intransitive usually of a person's foot to tap
0: in the rhythm of music sometimes to demonstrate participation in religious worship for the love of god i mean this is uh, this is just exhausting the next one aunt hagger's children
1: these are phrases and things these are not words a reference to black people collectively
0: And uh, let's see, what else does it say here? And became, among some black communities, the symbolic mother of all Africans and African-Americans and of black womanhood. Let me ask you something. I know I have excellent black Americans who listen to this show. Does this piss you off? This has to make you
1: beyond angry. This is so insulting. This is incredible. The next one. Ring shout ring
0: shout, a spiritual ritual involving a dance where participants follow one another in a ring shape, shuffling their feet and clapping their hands to accompany chanting and singing. The dancing and chanting gradually intensify and often conclude with participants exhibiting a state of spiritual ecstasy. It says sources linked, then I think we're done. Thank God. It's his sources linked to the Oxford University Press, told the New York Times, 100 words have already been selected and the project will be completed by March of 2025. Now, which one of Obama's friends is behind this? You know this person. Henry Louis Gates, Jr., a scholar of African-American history at Harvard University, was hired to serve as the project's editor. He, of course, was at the center of major political controversy in July of uh, 2009, where the professor was arrested at his Cambridge, Massachusetts home by local police officer Sergeant James Crowley, who was responding to reports of people breaking into the home. I remember that, and I remember all of it and all of the outrage being ridiculous and it getting spun into being this... You know, we're all racist kind of thing. Absolutely ridiculous. He didn't have his again. He didn't have his driver's license on him. He didn't have any identification. This guy didn't know who he was. And of course, Gates was doing that thing. Don't you know who I am? This is my house. I live here. And he's and the cop goes, "Great, that's great. Show me your identification." He goes, "Well, it's inside. I'm going to go get it." He goes, "Wait a minute. I don't know who you are. Now I understand." that you say who you are and that's fine, but let's go into my cop car and we'll figure this out. And that's what happened. But Gates lost his mind. You're white, I'm black. This is a racist thing. It got it got crazy. And then the old beer summit. Remember that? That's what that was. We're going to sit around a table at the White House and we're going to have ourselves a beer. We're going to talk about this. It's going to be Barack Obama and Joe Biden and Henry Gates and, uh, This sergeant police officer who arrested me because he's a racist. Absolutely nuts. Uh, Yeah, so he's the one behind it. That's the whole point. And he brags about it. And uh, it says Gates bragged about refashioning the English language while speaking with the Times. He also revealed that the words would be added to the the Oxford English Dictionary as well. Everybody has an urgent need for self-expression. You need to be able to communicate what you feel and what you think to other people in your speech community. That is why we refashioned the English language. That is the best of both worlds, he said, because we want to show how black English is part of the larger of Englishes, as they say, spoken around the world. He can't even speak English
1: describing this. (laughs) It's just nuts. This is nuts. Remember Ebonics? Does anybody
0: remember that from back in the 90s? The whole Ebonics trend, that we need to start teaching Ebonics in school. There needs to be an Ebonics book, which there were many, of of course. Different slang terms that all the teachers needed to start using, and we need to teach all the children about Ebonics. How'd that go? How's that working out for everybody? Yikes. Okay, jab-related stuff a lot of commentary here and a couple of piece, pieces of uh, audio to play
1: first of all old albert borla okay pfizer ceo he's back at it yet again they have approved
0: and have made a respiratory respiratory rather syncytial virus vaccine now why now is this occurring so first of all let me just read this tweet which came from some dummy. And it says the following, quote, more great RSV news. At US FDA has approved our RSV vaccine for adults 60 years and older. Don't worry, they're coming for the kids. See how we're saying the same crap over and over and over again, year after year after year. They will come after the kids next, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just going to be to wipe out the elderly. And this is what uh, the Pfizer CEO, Albert Borla, tweeted, quote, the severity of RSV disease can increase with age and comorbidities, pla- placing older adults at high risk for this disease. It continued and says, quote, they're saying this approval will help offer older adults protection from the anticipated RSV season this fall, remarked, hashtag CHDTV host, Polly Tom Tommy. And then it says, quote, from people like myself who have been in this game a long time, I can tell you we can see the warning signs, she attested. Quote, we are experience, I'm sorry, we are expecting to see huge surges in fear-mongering news. It's going to get much more intense, unquote. Now, I know you can figure this out without me describing this. Why is it? that they're pushing forward with a what they're calling a respiratory vaccine among 60 years and older and doing it right now because the vast majority of the people who are alive certainly those who are triple jabbed and still walking around like the zombies they are they're experiencing chronic coughing because of course the central nervous system is impacted from the snake venom and all the other poisons, because it breaks through the blood-brain barrier and impacts breathing. So they're having a very hard time not coughing on a constant basis. In particular, I might add, those being shed on. So they're going to actually believe
1: that this shot is going to save them and help them. This will be the end of them. And they will take it
0: the chronic coughers from the covid jabs bioweapon will take this shot i guarantee it it'll be the again it'll be the end of them this is this is what will finish them off even faster so there you go wanted to bring that to everybody's attention cuz that's continuing i want to read this and you've heard me read things like this before of course and describe this process i fully understand that donald trump was in iowa this past week. He made some really interesting comments. Again, I I haven't played the video on the show and and probably won't, but there's that audio which I think I stuck in a war video, where he's describing what he plans to do in Iowa over the course of the time between next Memorial Day and then the for the entire year, all the way up to the two hundred and fiftieth anniversary of our country becoming a country. It's an interesting idea. It's an interesting plan. They'd better clear up everything before something like that happens because in my opinion, having a celebration like that in Iowa with a bunch of statues around and a bunch of people and whatever else, it seems prime picking for a false flag attack of some kind. Again, we we have to learn from history here. We have to learn from what's actually taken place in the past and what's likely to occur in the future. Again, I'm glad he said it that that's fine if people want to travel to Iowa and look at statues and and celebrate the history of our country, go for it. I'm not going to stop anybody from doing that. I just sure hope that they clean up all the uh you know the the federal riffraff, so to speak, and get rid of them as much as humanly possible and annihilate these organizations so that we know that MS13 isn't going to have some attack or oh, I don't know these illegals they're bringing into our country aren't going to attack it. You know, while a bunch of hardworking Americans give a damn about our country and want to celebrate its 250th anniversary. So things got to change, I think, before any of that takes place, before we start planning parties. I think we need to get rid of the enemy and eliminate them. But that's my two cents on that. I also, of course, know that he was bending the knee to Israel yet again and Doing all of that, and trust me, that makes me sick too. But uh, there, there might be more motives as to why that actually takes place, and why he's doing that. He may just be doing that again to uh, sort of save face with certain people, we'll say. But I don't know. I don't like hearing it, and I know a lot of people don't either. So. There you go. It's my two cents on that. Either way, this thing that I wanted to read has to do with an individual on Great Awakening.win summarized why Trump approved the shots, because in Iowa, and and went through with Operation Warp Speed. And again, you've heard me go through this before, but this is an interesting take, too. And they're not wrong, really. Um, but in Iowa, he was asked about the jabs, and he was asked, you know, people are dying from this. Why? Why did you support it? And this, that, and the other. He's giving the same answer time and time again, basically because he has to. Now, I want to preface this by saying I know that people have said that I carry water for Donald Trump, and he can't do no wrong. Okay, he does lots of things that are that that I disagree with. Surrounds himself with some very terrible people, but he can't really tell
1: the American public right now why he had to do what he did. It's painfully obvious to me
0: and endless other people as to why he did what he did. Because again, the larger plan was to kill all of us. That was the larger plan. If you don't have a gri- uh, you know, a, a grasp of that now, please grab it as tightly as humanly possible because that's real. That was the larger plan. So he'll say again, uh, the very typical things like I wasn't for the mandates. I'm not for mandates. Mandates are terrible. People were out of jobs. They were you know, I wasn't for the lockdowns and blah, blah, blah. But we had to see all of this. We had to, we had to see this division. We had to see the people just go along because the people who went along with it are not going to be here much longer. The people who went along with it aren't the people who can defend our country from all enemies, foreign and domestic. Those aren't the reliable, those aren't the reliable people. So to get to this post, here's what this individual said. They said quote, "I have no patience for you trolls that don't understand why he had to push the jab anymore. I really don't. I'm not apologizing for it either." And they list them by number. They said, Number one, had he not done so, he would have been labeled an enemy of the people for not providing a vaccine. He also would have been immediately attacked harder than ever and then immediately impeached for F's sake they attacked him for talking about the things that did work. How the hell do you think they would have attacked him had he come out against the vaccine? Number two, had he not done that, we'd still be in lockdowns, we'd still have mask mandates, and half the damn country would still be at home. Number three, pay attention to this one, read it twice even. He made sure it stayed under an EUA, thus ensuring that it could not be mandated on citizens. And by the word mandate, of course, they mean forced on them legally to where it would have to be mandatory in order to take in order to enter a building or mandatory to take uh, in order to attend school or whatever. Even though, of course, all these institutions pretty much did that anyway, they certainly didn't do it at the public school realm because they couldn't. Depending on, of course, the state. But either way, I understand what they're saying and they're right. Number four, he gave all of us more than enough information on HCQ, ivermectin, and Regeneron, as well as chlorine dioxide, vitamin C, vitamin D, and zinc. He literally told the populace about all of that, like a broken record, for months before a effing vaccine was ever mentioned. They continued. Number five, no one in this country was forced to take it. Yep, some private companies mandated it. But you know what? People still had a choice. Anyone in this country that took the vaccine made the choice to do so. They made a terrible choice and and of course an ill-informed choice, which we all know, because if they knew what we knew, they wouldn't have done it. Uh, Sorry, they continue. They said, I get that folks were forced to take it or lose their livelihood. I'm empathetic and understanding to that. At the same time, I'm not going, I'm not going to ignore the fact that even those folks caved to fear and didn't even offer up the opportunity for God to serve up a new job or career in their lives. For every person I know who took it to save a job, quote unquote. I know someone who stood firm in their convictions, denied it, and were led to better opportunities by a divine hand. I'm sorry, but the vaccine was an ultimate test of faith in this country, and many failed to place their trust and faith in God to see them through instead choosing to take the jab to stay in their comfort zone. God can't work for you if you never even give him the chance by not standing within your truth and conviction. They said number six, Donald J. Trump putting Fauci up front shined a spotlight right on him and exposed his shit to exponentially more people than it ever had been before. And finally, number seven, Donald J. Trump told all of us from the get-go what COVID was, where it came from, and how to treat it. Many, however, still chose to ignore all of the above points and re, like school children, being told they can't have a nap. He literally had no effing choice. Period. End of story. Unquote. Yes, that's 100% accurate. It's 100% accurate. And I'll tell you something, it's the people like Stu Peters, for example, who are so emotionally invested in all of this. As he consistently says on his show, which frankly I don't hardly watch anymore, but he said he's always always complained about Donald Trump pushing the jabs, and I was on stage with Bill O'Reilly, and I got the jabs, and they're asking each other if they got the jabs, and they look into the crowd and say, you should get them too, and blah, blah, blah. Stu Peters's father got the jabs and consistently claims on his show that the reason that he did wasn't because Stu told him not to and he disagrees with him politically, it was because Donald Trump told people to go get it, so he went and got it. See, therein lies the problem. That's the even bigger issue than everything that was just pre- previously mentioned. The lesson is, don't listen to politicians. That's the lesson. If a politician tells you to inject yourself with something for which you can't name a single ingredient and has never been injected into human beings ever before, you don't do it. (laughs) That's all. You just don't do it. Again, this is a matrix thing. This is the difference between those that live in the real world and those that live in the matrix. We're not going back. We now know anybody who offers up a jab or even a pill of any kind going forward, you shouldn't take it. We know that. Even supplements. There's plenty of supplements that are poisoned too. But this is the lesson. This is the constant ongoing lesson. And the even bigger lesson, of course, is the fact that they wanted to kill all of us, which was mentioned in in those particular points that that individual laid out. And they're right. That was the plan. The plan was to stretch this out through 2025 into 2030, and then we'd all be wiped out. Because you can't enter a store if you're not jabbed then silence the lawyers. Anybody, again, who's who's trying to stand up for truth, you would silence them. You would ostracize them. You would not hire them back, regardless of their employment. And, well, you don't want to take the jabs? Well, you're fired. I mean, that already happened, but it would have happened on an even more grand scale than the one that did happen, and it would have flattened everything in this country, more so than it already did. But we had to see it. We had to see it. Now I do want to mention this too, because this again, this is on Stu Peters also, and I have a slight disagreement with this individual. And uh, they've done a lot of, you know, a lot of great work. Dr. David Martin was on Stu Peters' program not that long ago. They did about a twenty-minute talk, and he was talking about the speech that he gave in Brussels to the EU Parliament. Now the EU, of course, is a globalist organization; they are the enemy. So David Martin, Dr. David Martin, was in there in the belly of the beast, talking about how the jabs don't work. In in another world, he wouldn't have be, been even allowed to do that, but he did. He, here, which again was great. It was a, it was a decent speech, twenty eight minutes long. It's more than decent. I mean, it's very good. The, the The point is, at the end of their interview, Doctor Martin and and Stu Peters are going back and forth as to what the solution is. What's the solution to all of this? How is it that we? that we fix all of these problems politically and so on and so forth, in particular when it came to getting people elected who are real patriots who know what's going on. And they accurately describe that, how you have to have millions and millions of dollars to buy your way onto a debate stage. And of course, they're not even having debates anymore. which should tell everybody how corrupt it is. And then that's the only way that you get in. And then, of course, if you don't shake the right hands and kiss the right rings, then you're not going to get elected because you're just going to be selected, and that's the way that that is. And as we know, you have to sign on the dotted line to Israel that you support everything that's Israeli. So that's a thing. They, of course, said that none of that is the solution to our problems. But what he claimed was the solution was that we have to get sheriffs involved, local prosecutors involved. And then he said, we, it's, it's the donors that have to be gone after because if the donors to these politicians pull their funding, because certain individuals aren't saying what needs to be said, then that's, that's the way to attack these, these politicians, so to speak. We, that, his approach was you have to go after the don the donors, essentially, the, the multi-millionaire donors. We can't do that. I mean, I hate to you know, be a Debbie Downer on that, but we can't do that. You, you've heard me say, too, when it comes to the local level, because I've done it. I've exhausted those avenues. Sheriffs don't want to hear about this. They don't want to hear about a bioweapon being delivered to copious amounts of people that's going to kill them. They, they've taken multiple oaths, one to the United States and one to the Church of Freemasonry and that cult. So again, that's what the Fraternal Order of Police is. It even has the you know, satanic uh, imagery on the logo of the Fraternal Order of Police. You have the all-seeing eye and then a Freemason handshake, for God's sakes. So you can't do that because they don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole local prosecutors are chalking this up to politics. Again, you've heard endless people use that phrase and, and that word as the excuse, just like, again, when they went after Donald Trump and uh, you know all of the FBI lies and, and the Durham report and all of that. A Fox News host, that former congressman from Tennessee who's a Democrat, said, well, you know, it's just really dirty politics. No, it wasn't. It was sedition, espionage, and treason and conspiracy to commit all of those things. That's what it was. It wasn't politics. But if prosecutors think that jab talk is politics and that it's a debate and that you have to keep that out of the courtroom because, well, that's debatable. It isn't a debate. It's a genocide, and these people don't know it. They don't know anything about it. So I'm telling you, I don't think that I don't think that that's the answer because that hasn't worked. If it were the answer, it would have already worked by now, and it would have worked on a grand scale across the board. But these people are bought, sold, corrupt. They're globalists, and that's that's the way that it is. In fact, here is audio from one of those very individuals. This right here, again, is, is the open and callous and hubris nature of these people. This is the new CDC director. And this individual, again, her last name is Cohen, a Miss Cohen. Uh, She was the former health director for the state of North Carolina. Here's her and someone else at a small speaking event laughing about all of their COVID policies and mandates and procedures and how they made decisions that they made that, of course, caused people to kill themselves and lose their jobs and a thousand other things. So here's them laughing at our expense.
2: So I would call, probably the person I called most was the Secretary of Health and Human Services in Massachusetts. She worked for a Republican governor just to, um, but you know, when, when she was like, are you, are you going to let them have professional, um, uh, football? And I was really like, nope. And she's like, okay, neither are we, neither are we. Uh, so, um, so, uh, you know, it was like conversations like that. So, or, or I'd be like, so when are you going to think about lightening up a mess? They are like, so are like next Monday. I'm like, okay, next Monday. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> they're playing tic-tac-toe with our lives. That's what these people are doing. It was that scientific, ladies and gentlemen. It was that scientific. It was a phone call so that all the communists could get on the exact same wavelength and say the exact same things at the exact same time. That that's exactly what they were doing. Well, we're reviewing the science. What that was code for was we're picking up the phone and asking everybody, what are we going to do next? What fun lockdown can we do next? What, what little thing can we give back the peons of this country and little bit of freedom that they think that they've lost that we've snatched from them? When can we give it back so that we can then play the hero? These people should be hung by the neck until dead. And we should start with her. Why not? I mean, we can go in reverse order. I really don't care which order we go in. Uh, here's another one. This is from the WHO Pandemic Treaty get-together that all these losers had a couple of weeks back. Uh, United Nations WHO Pandemic Treaty co-chair Dr. Abdullah Asiri forecasts forced vaccinations for everyone during the next fake pandemic. So says Beach Milk on Gab and they're right. And here's those words directly from the horse's mouth.
2: The old, however, requires a different level of legal mandates, such as the pandemic treaty, to navigate through a particular pandemic, should one occur, and it will. Prioritizing actions that may restrict individual liberties, mandating and sharing of information, knowledge and resources, and most importantly, providing fund for pandemic control efforts are all necessary during a pandemic. The means to carry out these actions are simply not carried, at, not currently at hand. Ladies and gentlemen, the path ahead is arduous, but we are making progress. The commitment made by member states to uphold and strengthen the IHR serves as an inspiration for the work of the WGI IHR. The final package of proposed amendments for the WGHR process will be submitted to the Director General in January 2024 for consideration by the 77th World Health Assembly. I thank you.
0: Yeah, right. Okay. Well, he's, he's right in that uh, they're going to fake this again. They're going to do this again because that's what they want to do. And they want forced jabs no matter what. And they're going to try it again. When are they going to do that? That's the million-dollar question. I've pontificated about that uh, before, you know, whether it's the end of this year, next year, uh, sometime. It would be an opportune time, I think, for them to do it before the election because then they would say, well, the election's canceled because there's a pandemic and we don't want people to get sick and a thousand other things. I found it interesting that we voted the first time in 2020 with the last fake one. It'd be interesting if they actually shut down voting in America in 2024 because all hell would break loose. All hell would break loose. It would be, that would be interesting. That would be real, real interesting. Telling Americans that they can't vote. Watch out. I'm telling you, it's, it's highly possible. Here's the other thing with what he said. I find it very funny, although not surprising, that they're all saying the same things using the same words time and time again. Here's Tedros Adnan, not a real doctor, uh, also with the exact same speech, and listen to him for about one minute, and again, he says a lot of the similar words, like, there will be another pandemic. It's going to happen.
1: We cannot kick this time down the road if we do not make the changes that must be made then who will and if we do not make them now and when when the next pandemic comes knocking and it will
2: we must be ready to answer decisively collectively and equitably and for enhanced international cooperation the pandemic accord a generational Commitment that we will not go back to the old cycle of panic and neglect that left our world vulnerable, but move forward with a shared commitment to meet shared threats with a shared response. That's why we say the pandemic accord is a generational agreement. A commitment from this generation is important because it's this generation that experiences how awful a small virus could be
0: and the clip ends there. Uh yeah, you know that's an interesting point too and it's an interesting strategy on the enemy's part that they're saying, look, these younger generations already experienced this, we get to do it again now. We get to. Because if we do it again, they're going to understand that it's serious because we're telling them again it's serious and there will be enough of them that are gullible enough to actually believe it because they listen to us and they take us seriously and whatever. Again, what they're not anticipating Is the simple fact, and this is why the devil overplayed his hand, is he doesn't understand that the compliant ones are the ones that are dying. The non-compliant ones, like me, the people who are ready to, you know, pull a trigger or two every now and again if the if the time comes, that we are the ones who are not going to stand for this again. We're not the ones we're the ones that aren't going to play the game. We're the ones that are going to get so angry that again if they close down the elections and they say no more elections that's not going to happen because you know it's a pandemic that we're going to be the ones knocking down the doors and saying and again just lecturing the hell out of these people to their faces at the very least we're going to be the ones causing the problems for them they don't know this or they're not thinking about this or maybe they are but that could be where the quarantine camps come in and a thousand other things i'm i'm not entirely sure But I want to end with this here. Speaking of the quarantine camps, and there was plenty of footage of it, I did watch uh, the Great Awakening documentary that was put out by Mickey Willis. It's free. You can watch it online. Um, I believe it was on the Highwire's website. You pop in your email and then you hit enter and it pops up and you scroll ahead because there's a lot of back padding and look at the great work we did and all this other stuff. I mean, yeah, the pomp and circumstance stuff when it comes to these documentaries from the from the so called right, you know, I, I don't like that part of it. Just play the just play the flippin' movie. Um, it's it's good. I think it's good because it hones in on communism specifically being the problem. Now they bounce around a lot from subject to subject. Sometimes they're talking about masks, then all of a sudden they're talking about the education business. Then they're back to giving a history lesson about Chairman Mao and then they bounce forward and they're talking about something else. Um, you know, they inter- they interviewed some interesting people. You didn't need to talk to Robert Malone or Tulsi Gabbard. I I didn't think. Um, they did talk to David Martin, Dr. McDonald. That was fine too, a few others. And uh yeah. And and again, they spent the vast majority of the documentary talking about Stalin, Karl Marx, Lenin, Mao, and china uh they get a they they made one they made one reference to Germany at the very beginning the third Reich They, they, they made one mention of it sort of in a in a derogatory way, and then that was really it. They didn't say Germany or Germans or Adolf Hitler at all for the rest of the time.
1: Why is that? Why is that? Because Adolf Hitler wasn't a bad guy. That's why, and and he knows that. Now he's not
0: going to say it, which he should. But there you go. I mean, and again, there was just sort of this blanket statement about the Third Reich that uh, you know the atrocities that took place there, and then they moved on. Well, what atrocities are you talking about? I mean, let's get specific. So either way, it's worth the watch. Frankly, again, I don't think it's for us. We've seen the clips that he throws in. It's all the social media clips that you've seen over the last three years. It's a lot of the things I've played on the war videos. It's a lot of the things I've brought up on the show. It's a nice, tight, compact kind of thing, uh, kind of film. So I'm not discouraging anybody from watching it. Give it a watch. Like I said, it's good. I just don't think that it's for us. It's perhaps for the younger generation who's just now learning about this and and figuring things out. It serves its purpose, clearly. And again, it was well done. But uh, yeah, just wanted to give my two cents on that, and there you go. Again, it is free over at The High Wire, and it's probably making the rounds on uh, endless other avenues as well. So check that out if you're interested. Okay, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, I will catch you on Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Peace.